and we're reading from Exodus chapter 29, starting at verse 42. For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you and speak to you. There also I will meet with the Israelites, and the place will be consecrated by my glory. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar, and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of Egypt, so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And the next passage is on page 71, if you're following um, the Pew Bible. And we're reading from Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And the last passage is Hebrews 4, starting at verse 14, and that's on page 970. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honour on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. 
This is the word of the Lord. It's uh, it's a really a privilege to be speaking again this uh, speaking um, again this year from since last year uh, to this congregation and uh, for everyone who's been encouraging me and Rosie for adding the stars. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, but even as I share, could we look to God in prayer? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word and for the privilege of coming and reading and studying your word and to see you and to know you. Pray, Lord, that you will help us to see you more clearly this evening. Lord, we pray that you will please speak through me and may your name be exalted. Amen. I remember walking into the dentist around this time last year. I was studying at Ridley and was also a student minister here at St. Jude's in Parkville. And like you do with conversations at the dentist, I was asked, what are you doing? I remember only managing to speak a sentence when my mouth and my conversation was hijacked by the dentist and his assistant. They pondered, why would someone study the Bible? Was it to become a priest? The idea of priests seemed archaic to them. One of them spoke about doing yoga instead to find mental peace and solace. Others spoke about uh, growing up in a Catholic school and seeing these mysterious men wearing long robes called priests. What, what comes to your mind when you hear the word priest? Is it an authority figure in the church? Someone cold and distant and judgmental? Or is it an image of a caring and listening mentor? Or does the term fill you with disgust and shame due to the historical abuse by some in the clergy? At the outset, if this topic of priests is triggering for you, please don't leave from here without speaking to a friend or to those available after service for prayer. We would love to care for you as best as we can. In our passage today, Jesus is described as the great high priest. So we're going to dig into what this priesthood is all about and see the surprising need for a high priest. And so that we can trust Jesus uh, as the best possible high priest and thereby enjoying the closeness and intimacy with God that we couldn't have any other way. So firstly, why priests? Wh whose idea was it? With um, you know, many world religions, we see that there is a recognition that people have lost access to God. While some religions have priests to help with that, others explore ways to escape this world and to instead tap into the spiritual realm that they that they know and they, they, they long for. In the Bible, the word priest first appears in relation to Melchizedek, this mysterious Old Testament king and priest who meets Abraham in Genesis 14, uh, verse 18. And, but up to this point in Genesis, we're not told what a priest is or why a priest is needed. Um, on a side note, I'm glad that I don't have to cover Melchizedek today. It's, uh, I'll leave that for uh, chapter 7 where, where, where the author will go through, the, the writer of Hebrews will go through that in a bit more detail. But we see in the Bible that 
priests were God's idea. They were part of his covenantal and sacrificial system. As we read in Hebrews 5.1, a high priest was appointed to represent or mediate between people and God. The reason is there is a separation between God and people and it's because of sin. And we see in Exodus 19, what would happen if people approached a holy God without dealing with their sin? In Exodus 19, God is actually interested in, 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 in meeting the separation. He is, he is creating this covenant with the, his people of Israel, inviting them to be his people, a nation of priests, a bridge for the world to meet him. But then he knows that they can't approach him. And so he warns them through Moses in Exodus 19, verses 21 to 22. The, uh, and uh, he, he said, I mean, we read this. And the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people. So they, they, do, do, say they don't, do not force their way through to see the Lord. And many, many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. So the priests are the ones who go between God's wrath and, uh, and the people after making the due sacrifices for their own sins and for the sins of the people, as we see in Hebrews 5.3. So the term high priest is like saying chief priest or head priest. While there may have been many priests assisting in the temple, we see that only Aaron and his sons were selected and appointed to be high priests. Um, as we read in the Bible reading from Exodus chapter 29, we see this ordination and appointment of Aaron and his sons, and it describes the sacrifices needed to deal with man's sinful state, and also the sacrifices needed to deal with Aaron and his sons. All these offerings needed to happen regularly and perpetually. But embedded within these verses of constant burning sacrifices that seem strange to us, we also see in verses 45 to 46, God's deep desire to dwell with his people and for them to know him deeply and to trust in him as their God. So to recap, High priests are the go-between or mediators as per God's own plan or covenant. And as Hebrews 5.1 puts it, they represent people to God. He appointed them to perform the sacrifices as required by the covenant. And then secondly, they also represent God to the people. Communicating God's response to the people, declaring his blessings or sometimes his judgment on matters of state and individuals. In, we see this in Hebrews 5.2. They were also meant to draw the ignorant and those who are going astray uh, back to God, teaching them about God's ways as it states in Leviticus 10.11. And as Hebrews 5.2 puts it, their own vulnerability and struggle with sin gave them that perspective needed to deal gently or pastorally. The word deal gently in Greek literally means to curb one's emotions. It meant, you know, uh, acting in a caring yet firm attitude in dealing with people's sin. 
without being prone to irritation or anger or and so communicating the truth in love. Therefore, the priests assisted the people to truly meet with God, to deal with their sin and assure them that their prayers were met. Uh, sorry, the prayers were heard. So, how does all this affect us who are living 3,500 years later when, since God first instituted priesthood? Why do you and I still need a high priest now that uh, we believe in Jesus? Friends, to believe in Jesus is to trust him for our salvation. It means to have Jesus as the king and high priest over our lives. We might not realize it, but we still need a mediator to come into God's presence. And Jesus plays that role. Recently, uh, I had the privilege and experience of being on jury duty. Uh, this photo that you see is the instruction that is stuck on the door before a jury can enter the actual courtroom. We were often asked to wait in a side room for the invitation of the judge. And this happens through a person curiously called as the tip staff or the judge's associate. Don't ask me why. Um, but the judge told us that um, we are similar to her in, in function. We are, we, are, we are meant to be judges along with her in deciding this case. But many times, we the jury wondered, has the judge forgotten about us? But we were assured that things were being readied in our absence so that the jury could hear the case. Friends, before God, we are the accused, not the jury. If the access to the courtroom of humans is limited even for a jury, how much more for the accused to enter the very throne room of God? How lightly we take God's presence and his holiness. So, firstly, we need a high priest to meet with God personally, to come into his presence, to truly know him as our God and to experience him fully. The context of Hebrews chapter, the Hebrews passage this evening is verses 12 and 13 before it. It reads, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It, join, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Friends, the writer of Hebrews has just reminded us of God's judgment. God assesses the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. Everything is laid bare. Like Adam and Eve, we stand naked before our all-seeing and all-knowing God. Our sins, our hearts, our thoughts, our deep desires are all laid bare before our God. Are we going to hide or run to the arms of the one who can help us deal with our sin? Secondly, friends, 
the writer of Hebrews wants us to see that we need a high priest to deal with our sin. Our constant sin affects our relationship with God. We are required to deal with it if we are to stay in communion with him. We can't just excuse uh, ourselves giving into uh, our weaknesses and living in habitual sin. We need someone to deal gently with that who can restore our strained relationship with God. We cannot just rely on our initial confession that we made when we put our trust in Jesus. That is why every Sunday we model and exercise a posture of confession during the service. Friends, for his word continues to shine a light on some of our sinful hardened parts. It helps us assess things for what they truly are. We constantly discover the many truths that the devil has made us believe and so led us to disobedience. We're also confronted by our constant striving for self-gratification and autonomy from God. So thirdly, we need a high priest to keep us in communion with our holy God. God's throne of judgment becomes a throne of grace only when we come to him with the help of a high priest. Friends, the writer of Hebrews wants us to take a true look at ourselves. If we ignore the true state of our lives, we are only parading around like the emperor in his new invisible clothes. <laughs> God doesn't leave us in our nakedness and need. He has already provided. The writer of Hebrews now takes time to impress on us what we have been given through Jesus, our great high priest. He says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way and yet did not sin. Friends, we need to put our faith in Jesus. We need to have Jesus as our great high priest because he, he is the one who can truly help us. Because he's the best high priest for us. The, the book of Hebrews is, is, uh, calls us to greater maturity in Christ. To have daily renewal and fellowship with our heavenly father. But sadly, one of the ways we default to behaving as Christians is to think that we've arrived. We've got our passport and ticket. And so we treat God's grace and forgiveness cheaply. We live lives of shallow dedication to God, excusing our habitual sin, limiting God's rule over our lives, living distracted in life's worries, and never truly communing with God. We might have our moments of crisis, and then suddenly there's a form of godliness that doesn't last. Alternatively, some of us strive in our own strength to, to please God and people, but we get, we get beaten down by life's pain and struggles. It all seems too hard. 
we, we walk around sulking in bitterness, bewildered. Why life is hard? Why does it feel, uh, why do we feel weak and defeated? As the passage shows us today, our weakness and struggle are known to Jesus. Try as we might, we may never be able to perfectly obey God. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Instead of giving up and giving into temptation, the writer invites us to come to Jesus as a high priest. We need him, his help in our time of need. So what makes Jesus better than all the other human high priests? Firstly, his, his greatness. As Hebrews 4.14 says, we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Only Jesus has ascended into heaven. He is the sinless pioneer who has experienced life and so can enter God's presence in his own right. He doesn't need a tip staff or a judge's associate, but rather he's able to go into God's presence and now he serves in the heavenly sanctuary in heaven. Only Jesus is the capital S son of God who created us, sustains us constantly and is the heir of all things. He knows each one of us intimately, our weaknesses, our vulnerability and abilities. Having lived this life and faced all its temptations, he is able to deal gently and empathize with us. It's not just mere words or feelings or empathy alone, but he also offers a way out, help to come out of our struggles. And then when we fail, there is mercy and new grace for the next hurdle. Mercy to leave behind the past. Not and not let the guilt of that tie us down, but to truly enjoy the complete forgiveness of God. Grace to carry on when we feel we can't. His strength in our weaknesses. Friends, he's never late or out of reach. He's always available. If only we will carry our burdens to him. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials or temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer.
Maybe a part of you is ridden with guilt, unable to even forgive yourself. How can this perfect, sinless Jesus accept me, a wicked sinner? How can I, how can I go back after all that I've done time and time again? Friends, our God isn't, isn't a judgmental, distant, petty God wanting to lash out in anger against our sin. No, he's a father of the, embracing the prodigal son. His arms are always open to receive us. He says in Isaiah 1:18, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Friends, none of this came easy. We see how Jesus felt in his life here on earth in Hebrews 5, 7 to 8. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. This son of God was in tears, crying to his father to save him. He felt the full force of every possible temptation and sin. He felt temptation all his life and he never gave in. The temptation to lie, to covet, for more, to lust, to gossip, the list goes on. This also meant not retaliating to sin and the evil that confronted him constantly. Like not giving up on his own followers and disciples who were quick to desert him. Yet he chose to suffer and die at the hands of cruel men. God's word says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus has paid the price for our sin once and for all on the cross. So all that is left to do is to come and enjoy our fellowship with him and the Father. But maybe today you're, you're feeling like Job. You feel forgotten and distant from God. Maybe due to the loss of a loved one or, or unanswered prayers that seem, seem like a, a long silence from God. The pain and the stress of sickness that is overwhelming. You wonder, does anyone really understand what I'm going through? Job cries out in Job chapter 9 verse 32 to 34 and talking about God he says, He is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that I might confront, uh, that, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me so that, this, that, so, so that his terror would frighten me no more. But friends, God has provided. We do have a, a mediator in Jesus. And even Job saw this. 
later, uh, even though his circumstances had not changed one bit, he says in Job 16, 19 to 21, even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of man, he pleads with God as one pleads for a friend. Job recognizes an intercessor and a friend in heaven who sees his circumstance for what it is and is pleading with God as one pleads for a friend. Friends, as we come to Jesus, let us pour our hearts to him. Our hard circumstances might not change, but we will find grace for the moment and strength to carry on another day. Like Job, let us persevere in our conversation with him. In the midst of the cares and the worries of this world, we will find hope and joy in God's presence. Like Moses, meeting God face to face as a friend, God wants you to know him personally. God wants you to enjoy his abiding, soul-refreshing presence in our lives. Dear family of God, in Jesus, we have the one who is the perfecter of our faith. As it says in Hebrews 2.11, he is the one who makes us holy. As we cling to him, he will help us. He will bring us and keep us in the secure relationship with God. Like Moses, we can share a face-to-face -face friendship with God, our Father. I love this picture that uh, Andrew Malone, the Old Testament and New Testament lecturer here at Ridley College, uses to explain this. Um, would you imagine with me by closing your eyes? He says, um, you're like one of the guests in a huge royal banquet in heaven, feeling distant and out among the crowd. As, as uh, you walk around, you suddenly see Jesus and he walks right up to you. He grabs you by his hand and then he marches you straight into the heavenly palace from the outer courtyard. He takes you past the royal hall with all his saints and into the very throne room of God. He brings you right in front of God the Father and says, Dad, here's Charlie. You and him have some business to take care of. He needs your help. Friends, that is the personal, one-on-one, -on -one, deep, abiding, soul-refreshing presence of God that Jesus wants to offer us. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Shall we approach him now with confidence, knowing that Jesus takes us in? Let us pray and ask Jesus, our great high priest, for his help, for our everyday needs, moment by moment, to experience his mercy and grace.
Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for what a good God you are. You provided a way for us to come to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are taking us and taking me into your very presence in the throne room so that we can share friendship and fellowship with you. Lord, like the psalmist, Lord, as the psalmist Christ, better is one day in your courts than thousand elsewhere. Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to not be there at all. Father, help us to come to you. Help us to come to you with confidence. Help us, Lord, to, to meet with you daily, to bring our needs to you. We need you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, that you hear us. In Jesus' name.